It's good to see you this morning. Time to worship together. Um, last week we began a new series uh, talking about prayer. And really it kind of stemmed from uh, last fall we did a series called Life on Mission. And I'm sure you all remember everything about that. I had to look it up myself and figure out what I talked about then. I did remember, though, part of that was back then, uh, it kind of uh, uh, motivated me to go ahead and do this series on prayer because one of the weeks during Life on Mission, we talked about prayer. So it was just one week, and I'm kind of frustrated because how much can you say about prayer in like 35 minutes, you know, uh, one time? So I said, I'll expand upon that. So we kind of covered some of the same material back last fall. So if you remember everything I said back then, just ignore me the rest of the time today and uh, play games on your phone. Uh, since, but if you don't, um, you know, this is probably a good reminder. We've expanded that series though. Last week we started, we'll go through six weeks total in the series, talking about the whole issue of prayer and what God has to say about it, what Jesus had to say about prayer. And, uh, and that's kind of where we are. Now last week we began the series, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn in whatever format you have your Bibles in to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to continue on today. Uh, chapter 6, uh, Matthew, where Jesus was talking about prayer as part of the Sermon on the Mount as he was talking about different things. And we last week began with what we call the intro, the intro part of what we call the Lord. Some of you call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really called the model prayer. Uh, and, and so we looked at that part because the issue is, is when Jesus looked at this and said this, this intro part, before he actually talked to his disciples about what to pray about, he first said, here's some things you need to know before you even get there. And so last week we talked about, and I shared with you, uh, if you weren't here, if you were here, whichever, I shared with you early prayer experiences. You know, sometimes we, where do, where do we first learn our prayers, with, as, as kids especially? If you grew up in a home like I did, you learned mealtime prayers, and you had bedtime prayers, and you had traveling prayers, and all kind of prayers like that. You know, it's kind of funny because sometimes we'll, we'll pray prayers, and I thought this was hilarious because we'll pray prayers at meals, asking God, and, and based upon what I know about Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 6.20, there's a passage that says, that says this, God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So sometimes our prayers at mealtimes are kind of like jokes because we pray for God bless this nutritional nightmare. Um, I have to uh, admit something. It wasn't bad. It was just, it's affecting me this morning. My stomach's kind of messed up. Um, my wife went to a miracle camp with all a bunch of ladies, and so I'm gluten intolerant. I've told you that before. It means I can't eat any wheat, any oats, any, or I can eat oats, but I can't eat any wheat or any products like that. It really messes me up. And so one of the things I have not had, so you, you imagine that. Okay, no wheat. Okay. And, uh, and I've not had anything, and I discovered that about four years ago. And so since then, one of the things I have not had one time since then is pizza. Okay? Uh, except one time I cheated. Uh, and I ate some regular pizza and I about died. But uh, so uh, uh, Saturday morning after I did some other stuff at the house, I went by Hy-Vee and I was looking for some, uh, I went there for one thing. You know how you go for one thing? And it, I don't know if your guys do this, all guys do this, but usually we do. I go for one thing and I got something else. I went there for some almond milk, which, you know, I drink. And then uh, for my granola, healthy granola stuff, you know, I was going to eat that. And for this morning for breakfast. And um, I noticed over in the health food section, there's this thing, in the, in the, and there was, it was this huge thing, and it had a, a, a thing in there promoting gluten-free pizza. And I'm going like, wow, gluten-free pizza, that sounds like it, it has to be nasty, because, you know, whatever. But man, I, but somebody, I, the lady that was there, she works, I know her, in the, uh, in the uh, health food section, she said, oh, this is really good stuff, you just need to try it. I think she must get a kickback. And... Uh, 
So anyway, I bought one. I bought one, and it's actually the crust is made out of something like almond flour and rice flour, all kind of weird, bizarre things that I've never heard of before. And, and so I ate it. I fixed it last night, and I ate the whole thing for dinner. It was only like that, that big, you know. So one horrible. And so this morning, I'm going like, my wife would have told me, she said, Bill, that's a cheat. Uh, that, that, yeah, it says it's gluten-free, but it's really a mess. And so, I, but I want to tell you the good news, though, the whole story for this. I did not pray about that. And then I saw God bless this because I knew before I ate it that it was going to cause me problems because it was a cheat. And so I uh, don't ask God to do that kind of thing anymore, you know, the, the, the blessed nutritional nightmare. So sometimes we do that. And our early prayer experiences sometimes are about things that, you know, we just have these little prayers at mealtimes, prayers at bedtime, things like that. Or we pray, and we talked about this last week, most of us, we, we, we mature in our prayer life. We don't do those little rote prayers anymore. What we do is our prayers kind of sound like God, and then we give him a checklist of things we'd like for him to give us. You know, bless me in this, give me this, do this, help me in this. It's kind of this checklist. And then we get frustrated with prayers because they don't always um, happen. But Jesus began to teach about prayer, and last week, we talked about this in this little intro in verses 5 through, um, through 8. He talked about, he started off by talking about, he says, when you pray, go into your closet. And he's talking about a time, a location, and a place. And you're going like, well, we talked about this, can't we just pray anywhere? Yeah, you can. If your purpose is to give God your checklist. But if it's more than that, if prayer is more than that, then what we need to understand is, and understand is the reason he said this is because it's not about a checklist. It's about, it, prayer is really to be, as Jesus explains here, prayer is about ha- building a relationship with God. And he wants us to get to a place where there's a minimum of distractions in our life. And so often what we do, yeah, you can pray going down 116, talking on your cell phone, or your, now you've got to do it on your Bluetooth thing, and if, if you're obeying the law. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and drinking your latte. Yeah, you can do that. You may be distracted, but you can do that. But that's not going to build you a good relationship with God. You're not going to have, you have all kinds of distractions. And so he, Jesus talked about that. He also talked about last week in verse 7, he talked about don't, uh, don't have these, um, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, he says. Uh, for, for they have many words. He says it's not about how many words you say. It's not about just babbling repetition. Um, you know, and it's, it's not about just continually asking God, help me, protect me, help me, give me, give me, give me. He said, uh, you don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Because he said, matter of fact, he says at the end of this first intro part, verse 8, he says, your father already knows what you need. And you're going so like, what do I pray about? I mean, what's the deal? If he already knows what I need, I mean, that does that demotivate us from prayer? <laughs> no. Because when we think that's all there is, there's something more. And so we're going to look at this morning is what Jesus had to say, what Jesus had to say about prayer, and what Jesus had to say about how, how to pray. Now, so often what we do is when we look at what we call the Lord's Prayer, or the model prayer, we think it's a prayer we're supposed to pray. Like a child's prayer. Like, you know, this is what we're supposed to pray. But Jesus never taught us that. As a matter of fact, he kind of says it here, but also he says it over in Luke, Luke chapter 11 that we're, uh, that we're uh, going to look at next week. He, he talks about this, he, he kind of prays the same prayer, but he doesn't do it exactly the same way, and you can kind of ask yourself, well, Jesus, don't you know your own prayer? I mean, you're not even, you're not even saying it right. 
And, and so it's not about this. You know, the reason he gives us to us is not so we can repeat this prayer. He gives it to us so we can learn how to pray. That's what he's doing. That's what we're going to talk about today. Because really, it's about this building a relationship with God in a, in a special way. That's the purpose of prayer. And we're going to talk about why that's important today. It was kind of like this a few years ago. I think it's been about four years now. I got the privilege to go to Africa. And, and when I was there, I met this, this guy. His name, put, put his picture up there. Whoop, there he is. Bala. That's Bala Saribe. Bala is from Burkina Faso. Y'all, y'all, if, you, if I ask you to look that up on the map, could you do that? Some of you could. But Burkina Faso is right next to Mali, right across from Senegal. Guinea's down here. I know the map now because I traveled there. I want to know where I was going. But Burkina Faso is a country there that has a lot of, uh, actually developed uh, some churches about 25 years ago, has a strong Christian base there. And, uh, and uh, Bala came to help us on our trip, uh, to be a part of our trip. He didn't come as our translator, but he ended up being our translator on the trip. And Bala spoke uh, five languages, uh, by the way. Uh, you think, you know, it's hard to speak one language uh, very well. He spoke five languages fluently. And he spoke French and whatever their language was in, um, in, in Burkina Faso. And he spoke uh, uh, a, a language called Bamara. Bamara was a trade language for that region. And so the cool thing was is that when we got there, our translator didn't show up. So Bala became the translator for our trip. Now the cool thing about this is that when he went on the trip, that meant everywhere we went, if somebody wanted us to pray, they'd come and ask Bala, can you, can you guys pray for us? And then we would pray and Bala would translate prayers. He translated everything. But sometimes they would just ask him to pray and Bala would pray his own prayer. And I want to tell you something. I didn't have a clue what Bala was saying. Not a clue what he was saying. Every once in a while you, could hear, you would hear Jesus. But other than that, he didn't, he didn't have a clue what he was saying. But I want to tell you, in his demeanor, in his relation to him, in his prayers, it was just like, you're almost going like, yes, pray it. You, know, you just kind of felt God's, this, this relationship with him and God. And I want to tell you, Bala was uh, as a guy who just had this incredible relationship with God. And later on, I'd ask him many times, what do you pray about? And he would tell me, and it was always about just thanking God for who he was and his greatness and his majesty. And Bala was this articulate guy from, that, that, always, that was about his, that about, usually he's had a big smile on his face. I couldn't find a picture with a big smile on his face, but anyway... Um, it was so cool seeing that, and, and I'm going like, you know, when I think about prayer and the kind of thing Jesus is going to be talking about today, I think Bala has that kind of relationship with God. He understands prayer in a way that so often that we don't understand, because so often when he prayed, he wasn't praying for give me, help me, bless me. He was praying for something more. So let's look at what Jesus had to say. Once he said these, these introductory things, let's look at what Jesus had to say. And last week I asked a question, this question. I said, what if, what if the point of prayer has very little to do about getting God to do stuff for us? What if the point of main prayer is not about our needs, our wishes, our wants? What if prayer is about something bigger? And if we understood it, it would change the way we relate to God and the way we pray. I think what you understand when Jesus says today, if you apply it to your life, you understand that prayer is more than just asking God a checklist of things. So what does he say? Okay, Jesus, after he does this intro, he says this in, in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, he says, this then, this then is how you should pray. He's saying this then, you know what that means? He's saying in light of what I just told you, this is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. 
He's saying, you know, now, now what you should pray about is, is, is this. And so he says this. He says, number one, he says three things today. Number one, recognize who God is. In your prayers, the first thing we need to do is recognize who God is. And he says it in this way in the prayer. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying when you start your prayers, guess who you start with? Not you, not me. You start with God. You start with God. Hallowed be your name. He's saying like, start with God. Recognize who you're talking to. Pause long enough to do this. And I believe that Jesus understood, I know he understood this. He says the more time you spend acknowledging who you're talking to, the more confidence you will have in God. It's not like you're talking to just a friend. You're talking to God, the maker of the universe, the person who has all the omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, all the, all the stuff. You know, understand all this. He's all those things. He's saying you're talking to that. And let me just ask a question. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many of you spend a lot of time at that place of first talking to, and saying to God, God, I recognize who you are. I couldn't raise my hand. Because, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I pray, the first thing is, God, you know, thank you for this, da 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 and then I get in my checklist, if you're honest. We probably don't spend a whole lot of time there. But what Jesus is saying in prayer, he's teaching his guys how to pray. He says put every, it puts everything in proper perspective when we start off by acknowledging who we're praying, who we're having a conversation with. We recognize who God is, and the better we do so, the better we recognize our position with him. It's kind of like this. We have this kind of, uh, this kind of struggle in our life with, with this, this thing because we have kind of a New Testament understanding of who God is but we need to have a balanced perspective, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, when, just to give you an idea, the Old Testament view of God was this, is when somebody would write the name of God, Yahweh, with a pen, whatever they used to write the name of God with. If they did that, many times they wouldn't even say the name of God. That's how awesome and, and reverent they were with God. But when they'd write it, they would throw the pen away. Because they, they thought it was like, okay, I wrote the name of God, nothing else could be written with this pen. And so they had this incredible reverence, this sense of reverence and fear. And then we come along to the New Testament, and we, we understand more the fatherhood of God. Uh, that, that God is, 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 wants to have this personal and intimate relationship. On, in the Sermon on the Mount, which the, the, this model prayer comes out of, uh, the word Father appears 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus Christ, he referred to the Father over 70 times. So it was more of a personal, intimate relationship. But the reality is we need to have both, a reverence and an awe and a personal intimate relationship. We need to have a balance, this balance between an approachable father and the king of the universe. And so what Jesus says here, he says, when you pray, understand, you know, uh, recognize who God is. He says this, he uses the word hallowed, and that's the translation of the word. And you know what that word means? It means to be set apart, to worship it says, you're not coming just to kind of, hey, hey, God, how's it going, dude? It's not the deal. It's going like, no, God, you are different than me. You are set apart from me. You are different from me, and I want to worship you. That acknowledges who he is right off the bat. It's kind of like this. You know, some of you, some of you, this will be a push, and some of you won't. For us who are older, I'm including that in that group, um, you remember when you dated the person that you eventually married? 
Some of you are going like, yeah, I remember that. You know, how did you act toward that person? Did you kind of hold them at arm's length and kind of like, you know, did you kind of like, or do you want to be close and personal with them? Did you do, you know, did you want to have this, uh, this, this personal, intimate relationship with them? I mean, I can remember my wife and I, um, we, we've been married this year will be uh, 36 years and, uh, in August, and um, August 4th, and got to remember those important dates in life. Guys, remember that always. Do not ever forget that. And um, your, your date of your, of your anniversary. And, and when we dated for five years prior to that, so 41 years ago was when I first started dating and knowing my wife. Okay, that's a long time ago. Okay. But I do remember even back then doing stupid things, not stupid, crazy things, crazy things to kind of get her attention. I would, she lived like two blocks from me, but it was in the opposite direction of everywhere I always went. So guess what my car would always do? I would drive by in the opposite direction of where I normally went, just drive by her house, just in case she was out in the yard so I could wave at her. Just to get her attention, you know, because I, I just thought about her all the time. Once, you know, once that house started happening, you know, crazy things like that. You want to have this, this connection. You, you recognize this person's important. And because of that relationship with my wife, young lady named Vicky, what happened was, is, man, it changed the direction of my life in a lot of ways. See, the longer you stay connected with God, realizing who he is, how important he is in your life, it affects everything else in our life. So Jesus says the first thing you need to do when you start prayer, hey, camp out there for a little while. Recognize who he is. And I'll be honest with you, it's a struggle sometimes to put in words, but you know, sometimes you just need to be quiet for a while to realize his awesomeness and who he is. And that's the first thing he says to do. The second thing he says to do in the prayer, this model prayer, is this. After you recognize who God is, yield to his will. Yield to his will. It says this in verse 10. It says, your kingdom come. This is how it says it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically saying this, God, I want to align myself with your will. Let me explain something to you. This is the speed bump of prayer. This is the critical issue of prayer. Yeah, it might be a little difficult to uh, recognize who God is and put it in words. But this is the place you have to make some decisions. This is the critical, critical part of prayer. Jesus is saying, before I get to my needs, my wants, my wishes, the first thing I have to do, or after I've recognized who I'm praying with, is I need to surrender to God. The Puritans had a prayer that said this. It says, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want it, and whenever you want it, that's what I want. Can we pray that way? That's tough. David Jeremiah, in a book called Prayer of the Great Adventure, he's talking about our priorities in life, and he said, once we align ourselves with God's will for our life, we'll understand our priorities in a different way. And he said, this is our priorities, that he says, for him personally. He's a pastor. He says, first, I'm a person with a responsibility before God, first. Secondly, I'm a partner with my spouse and a responsibility to her. Then I'm a parent with a responsibility to my kids, he said, and lastly, I'm a pastor with a responsibility to my congregation. He said, once you align yourself with God's truth, you will understand. And, 
and truthfully, that's hard sometimes, especially for guys, because we get a lot of a lot of our a lot of our, um, uh, our enablement and, and 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 enjoy life from from our careers and our jobs, and sometimes we place that above a lot of other things. So he said, you know, here's where we align ourselves with God's will. Oswald Chambers said it's this this way. He said it is not so true that prayer changes things as that prayer changes me. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus says in his prayer as well, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven right now? Well, according to scripture, God's will is done, the angels do God's will immediately, unreservedly, unconditionally, and joyfully right now. And that'll be the same way it is when we are in heaven as well, because we'll see him face to face. Uh, so, what if, what if God, let me ask you a question then. What if God, if you pray to God and you want uh, him to do something and he doesn't answer your prayer the, one he, the way you want him to do it? How do you respond? How do you respond? Well, see, this is the point of prayer. This is the point where life change happens. If we're open to God and want prayer to really be, uh, something really happen. The real place God wants you to be is, he, is, is a place where you have to yield to his will. See, and this is the most, probably the most important thing I'll say today. Prayer is about getting us into alignment with God's will. Prayer is about us getting into alignment with God's will. So often we think we just pray, 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 you know, the purpose of prayer is just to get all the stuff we want. No, it's to get in alignment with God's will. It's kind of interesting in Scripture. You know, sometimes we think if we pray a long time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change God's mind. <laughs> you know, it didn't work that way in Jesus' life. You know, it's, it's interesting in reading, and I was doing all the study for this, this series, and the interesting thing about reading all the prayers of Jesus is how different they are and how different, not only in content but in length. You know that there's one time over in John chapter 11 where Jesus was, was, uh, uh, was going to, if you read John chapter 11, it's where Jesus was going to go visit his, uh, he was going to the place where his good friend Lazarus had died. And, and he actually, actually, they say he's, the friends say he's sick and he kind of messes around for a while. He doesn't go there right away. He doesn't do it right away. And so by the time he gets there, Lazarus has died and Mary and Martha are just distraught with what's going on. And so Jesus goes to the tomb, and he tells them to roll away the stone. And Okay, this is Jesus getting ready to raise somebody from the dead. Do you think that takes a powerful prayer? Do you think you need to pray a long time for that to happen? Obviously not. Because the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 11 is probably 10 seconds long. You're going, that's all it takes. Well, this is what it says. This is what Jesus says in the prayer, verses 41 and following. He says, so they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He already had confidence in God. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those people standing around here, that they may believe that you sent me. Amen. Then he comes out of the tomb. You're going like, see, the thing was is that the reason this prayer didn't take too long, it wasn't a struggle, was because, guess what? Jesus was already yielded in this area of his life to God's will. He didn't have to align himself with God's will. He just trusted God was going to do this. Was this true every time Jesus prayed? No. 
Because if you know, look at one of the most in, in, intense prayer times in Jesus' life was where? In the garden. In the garden, the Bible tells us he prayed like what? He prayed basically all night, and it says he prayed in such an intense way that, that it was, that it was uh, uh, as if he was uh, uh, sweating drops of blood. And you know why it was such an intense thing and why it took so long? Scripture tells us. Because Jesus, in the midst of that, Jesus knew what God's will was, and he didn't like it. You're going like, really? Yes. Because Jesus says, he says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it. Basically, can you have, have a plan B? But eventually, after this, this process of prayer, an agonizing prayer uh, with the Father, what happened was, is at the end of this, what did Jesus say? Not my will, but your will be done. He yielded to, Jesus, to God's will. And so what Jesus is saying to us here as he, as he teaches his disciples about prayer, he's saying, hey, first you've got to recognize who you're praying to. You're not praying to your good buddy. And secondly, you've got to understand that you need to yield to God's will. That being the case, the length of our prayer is not determined by the willingness of your God. The length of our prayer should be determined by the condition of our hearts. And if we're, not, if we're not in the place that we can fully surrender every aspect of our lives, we may find ourselves needing to stay there for a while, to wrestle with it, to make it personal. Because God knows that your faith intersects with his faithfulness, and when it does, life change happens. And so some days you can get up and you might only pray five minutes. Maybe things are going well in your life. And you're going like, God, you know, I just, just want to just praise you today for who you are and all this good stuff that's going on in my life. And I just, I'm not really struggling with anything. So I'm just totally just, God, just thank you for, so much for that. And, and I just want to yield to your will today, God, whatever. You know, you just kind of like, that's called moodiness. And then we just do that. And we don't, that prayer might take five minutes. But when you're struggling with something in life and you're, and you're struggling with yielding to something in your life that you need to yield to God and you're not giving it to him, guess what? That may take a lot longer. And so that's the issue that Jesus is talking about here. The second aspect of prayer, the, the central point of prayer is yielding to his will. And then finally, he kind of closes the prayer with, another, with one, other, uh, one other thing. He says this, the third thing we need to do in prayer is we need to declare our dependence upon him. Declare our dependence upon him. And he says it in three different ways here, three different areas of life. He says this. He says in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You're going like, I can deal with that. Give, give. You know, that's the part we always like in prayer, right? Give. Give us the day our daily bread. Now, when he said this in the context of where he said it, it brought, it brought some visualization or some imagery back to the people that were there because these were Jewish folks that he prayed, that he was teaching most of these guys. And, and they thought back to the time, literally, when Jesus gave them their daily bread. If you've read in the Bible, the, uh, in the Old Testament, the Exodus, you understand that there was a time when the people were starving, and the only way they could be fed was that God gave them something called what? Manna. It was a saying that he gave to them every day, and it only lasted for one day. It was only good for, it had a very short shelf life. And so he gave them manna. And I've always wondered, you know, who was the first person to pick up the manna and eat it, you know, off the ground? You know, they thought, oh, this is something good to eat. How did they know it was manna? Did God tell them that, you know, what, what was the deal? So anyway, but God gave them to that every day. And, and, and in a sense, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you know, the day is coming that, you know, I want you to remember the day when you depended on me day to day. But the day is coming, he's saying, that when you will, uh, people will come to you for food and for bread. 
And I don't want you to forget that when you have a little or have a lot, that it's all from me. It's all from me. I want you to ask as a declaration of dependence upon me. And then he says it a second way. He says, declare our dependence. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What he's saying here in regard to that is this. Declare your dependence upon God for your pardon, for your pardon from sin. Because that's what he's done. And he says, as you do that, realize because that you can declare your uh, dependence upon him for your pardon from sin because of what God did through Jesus Christ upon the cross, that allows you to enable you to do something that only I can allow you to do, and that is to be able to pardon others, forgive others. Because guess what, guys? Nobody has done something to you as bad as what you've done to me, and I'm willing to pardon you. And that's the way you can have the positive relationships with other people. And then finally, he says this in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He says, we also declare our dependence upon him for protection from temptation. Now, once again, do not raise your hands. Okay? Do not. Is there anything that you ever, and I know this is true, is there anything that you continually pray to God for for forgiveness? More than once, maybe multiple times, maybe weekly, maybe daily, thought life, things that are going on in your life, things that you keep doing over and over again, you're going like, why do I keep doing that? And then we keep asking God for forgiveness. You know, the only way that we can deal with those temptations in life sometimes is, is allow God to work in our life to deliver us from evil from the temptations of the things that are going on. Because we live in a society. We, live in, we blame it on society. Yeah, it's, it's, it's our environment. But we are the ones that make the choices about how to deal with those things. And so we need to understand that on, the only way we can overcome temptation and the things that are around us is to depend upon God, declare our dependence upon Him for that as well. And then guess what? The prayer ends. The prayer ends. You're going, well, Bill, wasn't there another part of the prayer? Because in my wedding... Or I heard in a wedding, or somebody sing this one time, this thing. And there was this other part to the prayer at the end. It was kind of like the really nice part that ends the song well when they sing it, you know. And then, you, you remember the part I'm talking about, you know? You know, that, that part that goes, for thine is the kingdom, you know. And <laughs> you didn't know I could do that, did you? <laughs> you know that part? And the power and the glory, I'm not going to sing the rest part because it really gets really high after that, you know. You got to have a stratospheric voice or sing really good in uh, falsetto to do that. But, you know, you're going like, well, ain't that part of the prayer? Well, <laughs> let me explain why that's not there here. Yeah, if you go back to King James, it was in there. <laughs> but the times when the King James Bible was, was done in the 1600s, they used the manuscripts, the most, the most current manuscripts, the oldest manuscripts they had. But guess what happened later on? They discovered some new manuscripts. Not new, new old manuscripts. Some older manuscripts that were even older than the ones they translated the King James from. And in those manuscripts, the Dead Sea Scrolls and other things, guess what? That last little tagline that we always like in that song was not there. And so they really don't think that Jesus actually ever said that. It sounds more something like they, they really, all, all commentators pretty much agree to that as well. So he kind of ends with, but deliver us from the evil one. And so he says, this is how you pray. He said, 
Recognize who God is. Yield to his will. Acknowledge your dependence upon him. That's what prayer is all about. That's what prayer is all about. It's not so much about just give me, help me, do this for me. Even though when we acknowledge our dependence, sometimes we ask those things. But before we get there, we need to acknowledge who he is. We need to yield to his will. See, it's kind of like this. The prayer that Jesus, the kind of prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is this. It starts with God. It ends with us. But in between, in the middle, is the real issue. The real issue. And that real issue is this. Whose agenda, whose will are you going to follow? Your own or God's? You know, I, I remember back, in, you know, back when I was um, like 18, 19 years old, I was in college. And I told God, you know, and I told God, you know, God. And this is what I felt called to ministry when I was 19, 20 years old. And, and I said, God, I said, I will give you everything. And I'm thinking, God, you know, I'm thinking, you, know, you ever said that to God, I'll just give you everything? Well, back when I was in college, I was thinking, you know, the only, thing I had, only things I had were a cassette player and some clothes and a $1,000 car. That was it. And I'm wondering if God was going, big deal, you know, Bill. I mean, you don't have, you know, everything is not a lot. But it was everything I had at the time, you know. That's all I had. You know, the problem is, the problem for most of us is that life goes on and, and, and we come to a place in life where we get married and we have kids and we have a 401k and we have all those things. And now when we say, God, I'll give you everything, everything means a lot more. And we struggle sometimes with yielding to that. So have you ever said, God, whatever you want, whatever I have, it's yours. My family, my finances, my career, my relationships. Let me say say this to you in love, okay? If you're withholding any of those from God, if you're saying, God, you know, I couldn't possibly tithe because, you know, I, I, just, I just can't do that. God, I just couldn't possibly, you know, I, I gotta, my career is so important. God, I, I just couldn't possibly, you know, do any, you know, anything. My family, you know, my kids, man, you know, I could just give them to you. You know, it's, it's, I, you know I, have, I have plans for my kids. Have you asked God, is it God's plans for your kids? Any area of your life, wherever that area is that you withhold from God and don't yield to him in that area, that shows how big you think God is. Or maybe how little he is. See, God doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't need your stuff. He wants your heart, but God knows that the key to your heart is through your stuff, and so that's why he wants it. He wants you to yield in all these areas because he knows what's best for us, and he wants us to have a relationship with him that starts with, God, I recognize who you are. I yield to your will, and I acknowledge my dependence upon you. That's what prayer is all about. Real prayer. From the words of Jesus, not Bill. So what are we going to do? 
What are we going to do? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the key, the hinge point of this prayer. May we pray that every day as we release parts of our life and yield to God and take the next step we need with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your incredible love for us, your patience with us, God. Man, <laughs> good thing I'm not God because I don't have anywhere near the patience that you have, God, with people. Because, God, I just I realize in my own life I'm so impatient with myself. And I'm constantly getting frustrated with myself for those areas of life that I'm not yielded fully to you, God, where I don't trust you the way I should. And, God, what, how I know that's happening so often as I worry about things that really you want us to hand over to you, God, to yield to you, God. Yeah, we do what we can do, but we leave the results up to you. We raise our kids in such a way that we want them to honor and please you, God. And, and we direct them and give them direction in life. But God, ultimately, you have a plan and a purpose for their life. Can we give that to you, God? And can we trust and trust you with that? With our careers, God, you have, you've, you've shaped us in a way. You've given spiritual gifts and hearts and abilities and personalities and experiences in life that has shaped us to do certain things and to make a difference in this world. And God, so often the number one thing we look at is how much money does it make? God, you've given us in, in your word directions in regard to our finances. And you say, you know, it's not that uh, 10% is a, is a magic number. You know, God, you could have chosen 90%. But you said, I just want you to give back a portion to me uh, to prove to me in a sense and to prove to yourself that you really trust me, that you can live on the other 90 or whatever it is. God, it's, it, all these things are ways that you want, to, want us to yield in our life to you. And so I would pray this day, God, that you would just enable us to trust you with our whole lives. That as we come to you in prayer, God, that we wouldn't just give you this laundry list of things that we want. But we first acknowledge you and then yield to your will. And then, God, we acknowledge our need for you. And in the midst of that, God, as we do those things in that order, our perspective on things will change. And prayer won't be such a frustrating experience as so often it is for many of us. God, as we continue over the next few weeks to look at, your, at, at the prayers of Jesus uh, um, and what he had to say in prayers, we ask that they would help us clearly to more clearly def, uh, define these things that we started with the last couple of weeks. As you taught your disciples, God, down the road, their perspective on life changed. They took next steps with you. And in doing so, it changed the direction and, and of their lives in such a way that they made a difference in the world that, that expanded your kingdom beyond belief. Help us, God, to do the same thing. Guide us now, God. May we always give you the praise and the glory for whatever happens, because without you, God, we can do nothing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.